1: Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. Uh, My name is Brian Lamar, I'm the Chief Insights Officer at EMI Research Solutions, joining me as always Brian Peterson. Hello, Brian.
0: Hello. It's a little strange today. We're actually sitting in the same room.
1: Not only that, we're like a foot from each other.
0: I know. It's a little close.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, we rarely are in the same room when we do this. It's, it's actually intentional. It's just easier that way. Yep. Thanks for listening, as always. And we have a special guest today I'm excited about. This is Craig Alter. He's been on before. He works in Consumer Insights at Perfetti Van Mel. Hello, Craig. How are you doing?
2: Hello, Brian and Brian. Good to have the opportunity to chat with you
1: again. Yeah, it's been, I guess, a little over a year, maybe. It feels like I don't know. has it been one year or seven years since he's been
0: on?
1: <laughs> no, about one year. Okay. Yeah, well, you were at Mercy Health or um it's not called Mercy Health, the corporate name was Bonds. It's it's it called Bonds called Mercy Health. So now you're Profetti Van Mel, and that's one of your updates. Any other updates we should be talking about before? kind of get into some discussion. No, that's
2: the big one. Um, professionally, at least, um, I left in December, Bon Secours Mercy Health, and started immediately at Perfetti Van Mel. Uh, so about nine months in now, and it's uh, it's been a, a good opportunity to uh, be a part of a fun uh, category of candy, gum, and mints.
1: Yeah, what a great brand that I don't, I'm not sure if a lot of people have have heard of. But when you, I mean, Mentos, everybody's heard of Mentos, right? And name some other brands that people might know.
2: Yeah, well, we also have Airheads. And so um, that's a, a big brand, a growing brand in the United States, especially. And uh, we have some global brands that consumers may have heard of called Chupa Chups and Frutella, um, which are more prominent in other countries around the globe. But Airheads is a big name here in the United States and sells a little bit in Canada as well. And then, of course, Mentos, you know, kind of uh, got into <clears throat> people's minds back as a as a chewy mint in a, in a role. And then in more recent times has really um, uh, put out a lot of great flavors in the gum space. So Mentos gum is is doing really well. And uh, in some consumers minds, I think they think of this maybe now uh, as a gum brand and not just the chewy mints brand.
1: Right. I um have fond memories of Chupa Chups. It's been around for a long time. And I, I just know I had it as a little kid and there's so many different flavors that I loved. Um, I'm not making that up, am I? No, it's been around for decades. And
2: um, okay. it's, it's really prominent in Latin American culture. So it's popular in, in Spain and other Latin American countries in Mexico and does well throughout Europe. And, uh, you know, some consumers know it here in the United States. Uh, we're making efforts for 2024 to uh, come out with some innovations in product design and put some advertising behind it. We'd like to grow that brand in the United States, but it's, it does typically have higher awareness among uh, Hispanic uh,
1: folks. Okay, awesome. And Perfetti is headquartered in Kentucky, is that correct? That's our North American uh, location.
2: We uh, produce a lot of airheads at the Erlanger, Kentucky plant. And we have office space. Um, we're officially headquartered in Amsterdam. So that's okay. our group headquarters. And then um, I would say our North American headquarters is in Erlanger,
1: Kentucky. Awesome. So I'm going to shift gears. Uh, thank you for the kind of background of Perfetti Van Um It's been a weird few years in society, the economy, and research. Curious from your perspective on the brand side, uh, maybe shifts from your perspective, kind of shifts or changes um, due to the economy and changes to any of those things. I think we're in a fortunate position at Perfetti
2: Van Mel in that we have um, had strong business throughout the years of covid And we just completed an acquisition just officially three days ago to acquire the Mondelez gum brands. So brands of Trident and Dentine and Bubblicious. So um, we're growing. And so I don't think we've been affected by the economy like a lot of industries have. Consumers still wanted to be indulged with those relatively inexpensive treats of candy, gum and mints throughout tough economic times. So we've been somewhat isolated by the tough economic conditions and COVID and such. And so we've been doing well and we're growing. And so as a result of that, we've been fortunate to not be affected by what I would call tightening of budgets. We've been able to do the research that we want to do and continue to look at how we can grow in the future.
1: So So you look at this as an opportunity. And I noticed from the supply side and the sample side, I noticed this before that, Some brands cut their budgets. Some look at it as an opportunity. Some sales go up. Some do not go up. It depends on the category and the brand. So do you you look at this as a time to increase your budget or just kind of maintain, or is this a time for innovation? How do you kind of think about that?
2: I think we're in growth mode. In fact, I'm on a team that's called the growth team. So we've, uh, in the last year, Just prior to when I started formed, uh, I would call it kind of a shared service that, you know, has e-commerce and has, uh, you know, various um, capacities that work across all brands throughout the organization. And we're really focused on growth. So um, we have been in a fortunate position of that's really our day to day is how do we grow our brands? And, And maybe some of that's through acquisition, but maybe that's also growing the brands that we already have in house. And a lot of that is driven by innovation. I think Perfetti Mail is a company that has a lot of people really focused on innovation. We have um, people dedicated to new product development. And that's really the fun stuff. And um, really, the the main catalyst is why I left Bon Mercy Health and, and am at Perfetti now is I really missed innovation research. So everything from understanding macro trends to completing, you know, concept test and uh, doing qualitative and then ultimately testing uh, products in central location test or home use test, and being able to be involved in that whole innovation work stream, which as you guys know, can, can go on for a couple of years to get a new product launched. And uh, yeah. so that's exciting stuff. That's the stuff I missed being in healthcare. And I'm excited to be back into that because I think Perfetti does a lot in the product innovation. And so that in itself is you know a company focused on growth.
1: Yeah that's really cool. Um, so do you, do you consider Perfetti to be somewhat recession proof given that it's um, relatively inexpensive and also kind of a comfort food that I think people <laughs> will go to even if they are struggling they're still gonna buy some of these products. Is, is that true?
2: It is. Um, when I joined in December, you know, um, still COVID very top of mind with people. You know, I learned that you know the Perfetti business had done very well throughout the couple of years of COVID, throughout the tougher economic times. It was somewhat You know, it was it was um, recession proof, if you will. So um, it is one of those unique categories that doesn't seem to be affected by a tough economic times. It's like you said, an inexpensive comfort food and, and people continued to want to consume candy and, and, and chewing gum. It wasn't something they cut back on like maybe big <laughs> ticket purchases, you know, they you know other industries, you know, cars and such were uh, certainly affected, but um, our categories were not.
1: So we're, we're fortunate um, in Cincinnati, I, th- I think, I didn't think about this as a little bit of an aside, you know, we have a lot of our big brands that are headquartered here are all kind of recession proof with Procter and & Gamble and Kroger and now Perfetti. Um, that's kind of a unique situation for us here locally. Brian, I know you had a question.
0: Yeah. So Craig, I, yeah, I know you mentioned like, hey, through COVID, you guys saw the growth and that honestly makes sense. I mean, everyone was probably sitting on the couch eating candy, watching Netflix. <laughs> so, but as you're going in there, what kind of things do you think help with that that are leading you guys to be recession proof is it just that fact that we are you guys are candy it's comfort or is it because you're rolling out different variations of your brands at the right time
2: i think it's you know i think it's comfort food i think it's it's something that historically consumers haven't cut out of their budgets during tough economic times so i think it's something that's sustained for decades um And, you know, I, I don't know that we are innovating any more than our competitors. It's something we certainly focus on and try to continue to come out with new shapes and new um, flavors and, and new, uh, you know, everything within the innovation space we're looking to uh, affect and grow. But I, I just think it's something that is that low dollar ring comfort food that in tough times consumers don't cut back on.
0: I mean, I'm right there with you with that. I'm still going to buy my kids candy. I'm probably not going to be buying them new computers and things like that. (laughs) The high dollar. Oh, you want a 50 cent pack of gum? Sure.
1: Right. Airheads. You can get those really expensive as well. Um, You kind of alluded to um, some new products, expansion, new flavors. Can you talk more about that? And also, you have a lot of regional brands that you also kind of mentioned and some global brands. And I'd love to maybe talk about the challenges from a research perspective. That seems like it would be really challenging with all these brands that some might only be in the Netherlands and some might be elsewhere. Can you address a little bit of that?
2: Yeah, certainly. I think that it's, um, as you guys know, there's different insights in different countries. So, you know, if you're going to launch something globally um, in in you you probably need to conduct the research in multiple countries too because you know a U.S. consumer is going to respond differently to certain messaging, certain advertisements, certain flavors um, differently than in other countries. So like Latin America and Europe, and so um, it becomes this thing where you need to think through where is the research that I need to conduct, and what countries do I need to gather the learnings. And then how do I tailor things such as the rollout? You know everything from what's on the package to what is the advertising. And, you know, the insights are going to be different. Maybe even the flavors within a new brand launch um, are different. You know, everyone has different taste, and, um, you know, things such as licorice are popular, the the dark black licorice in, you know, Italy, for example, and not so much more niche here in the United States. So um, you have your usual challenges working within a global organization of making sure that, you're checking the boxes on all those unique differences within geographies that you're not just cascading, you know, one message and one product development path and assume it will work well everywhere.
1: Right. And I, you mentioned black licorice. Um, I'll probably mispronounce this, but the Golia brand is that it's a Italian black licorice. I love black licorice, by the way, I'm one of the few people and this seems like a tough challenge when you have a lot of. I notice a lot of the brands are like this. It's Italian brand. It's in Italy, Spain, Czech Republic, Slovakia. That makes sense, <clears throat> but it's also in Indonesia and Vietnam. Um, that to me creates so many challenges. A very complex research method. Is that true? I think it's just um, you need to think through what
2: flavors you're you're going to offer in different countries. So make sure you've done the. I would call it macros trend work up front and understanding big picture in different countries. What are the most common flavors that that consumers, you know, are comfortable with and like, you know, you do, you got to be careful not to go too niche with certain things um, when you're deciding on what flavors to be a part of a product, you know? Um, So we we're coming out with um, some innovations next year that have, you know, over 10 different flavors in a pack. And so you have to think through, well, what are those 10? And should they be the same in the United States as they are going to be in in Amsterdam, for example? And how do you kind of have minor tweaks within innovation, whether it's in the product or even in in the advertising?
1: Right.
0: Craig, I have a different question for you. And this is more about kind of tying on to what Brian said about, hey, different markets, different flavors. How often are you guys testing or evaluating, uh, trying to bring some of those regional flavors, maybe from other countries and expanding them into maybe the US market or other markets. I'll give an example. Um, I think you probably knew I grew up in Canada. Favorite potato chip is all dressed. Love it when they show up here once in a while. But like, I don't understand why they're not on the shelves all the time here. So like, but have you've seen like lays has put them out there? They'll put them out as like specialty like limited run type situations. So are you guys doing any of that testing to pull like maybe a flavor that you' sent you're using in uh, Spain? see if how well it works in maybe Latin America or the u s or something like that?
2: Yeah, we do that. We have you know access to different trend databases, you know, work that's more of a, at a macro trend level on flavors, and we certainly. Um, we'll have things that are successful in certain countries. And we think, hey, maybe this is something that can be also successful in the United States. And before we would roll it out, we would want to do the proper testing with consumers. We'd want to get that in their mouths and maybe do a concept test um, prior, and then certainly do something like a central location test and work and refine. Because, you know, I think you got to be careful not to put something out that becomes too niche in a certain country, you know, you want it to be a big idea. You know, we kind of refer to them as golden launches launches that, you know, are going to be big and they're going to be um, something that's sustainable long term. You know, you, what you don't want, I think is to come out with something that consumers try once and don't buy again. Uh, and they don't, you know, and it doesn't stay on the shelf longer than
0: a year. Follow up to that. Is there any that you've had, that have been surprised you, like maybe going into your test and like, Hey, I think this is going to be, I think we're going to find out this is going to do really well. And it didn't or ones you're like, man, why are we testing this? This is going to go terrible. And you find out like, Oh man, everybody in this country loves this.
2: Yeah. I think I'm a little new in the game having been on there nine months, but um, I think that, um, you know, there are things like, like honey, for example, I think an interesting idea that you could put into candy or gum has some health, all natural benefits, but I, I think it's pretty niche too. So maybe there's a spot for it with an audience. So you have to be, it's not going to be a big idea. It's going to be something that appeals and stays somewhat niche, but how do you position it? How do you talk about it? How? What are the right benefits and the right audience and the right you know, media that you put behind it to allow it to be sustainable long-term? So I just think there are There are places for flavors that are somewhat niche, like honey, I'll say. But um, it's all about the execution and and how do you talk about it and and where do you position it?
1: Yeah. Um, Have have either of you been to the World of Coke in Atlanta? I
0: have not, no.
1: I have not. Uh, Okay, At the end of the World of Coke, it's kind of famous. You get a tour of the history of Coke. At the very end, you get to taste all their flavors from around the world, and it's kind of a, a thing Because to your point, the flavors are so different, taste buds are so different in other areas. And, you know, this, you know, people want to taste this one. Oh, this is the worst tasting thing ever, but people will try it. And it's kind of a fun little thing to do at the end of a tour. I would pay big money for Perfetti Van Mel, (laughs) a world of Perfetti Van Mel, where I got to taste a lot of these candies from around the world. That sounds like a good time. I don't know if you (laughs) have thought about that. I want to take credit for a Perfetti Van Mel. Taste test. Is that something you'll ever consider? I would love that idea.
2: I I would love to go to that world of Coke. I enjoy trying new flavors and I'll try anything too. You know, it's not something I'm gonna turn my nose up at any, you know, innovative flavor. I love tasting things and trying new things and especially things that are unique that you don't get, you know, here in the country. It just made me think of the trend of spiciness. You know, everybody's putting spice in everything these days, even in candy. I was just in the last week and I had um, some spicy margarita that was blended with mango. And so it seems like spice is a big kick. I was at the sweets and snacks show a few months ago in Chicago, and that was one of the main takeaways I had is just how spice is finding its way into everything, including candy gum and mints. It's it's one Mm -hmm. of those uh, hot topics right now.
1: It used to be like it was a prank that you played on somebody if it was spicy. Now it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. It's a trend.
0: You have full challenges of trying to eat the spicy chips and all that. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, Before we got on the air, we talked about uh, Minneapolis conference that we were – our regional Insights Association chapter was at. And it was so much discussion around artificial intelligence – and if you follow LinkedIn, there is so much about artificial intelligence that can overwhelm you. I'm curious if uh, Perfetti has um, started considering how to incorporate AI into their research process or any way to be more efficient or anything like that. Is, have you? Getting ready to.
2: So i um, going to be testing some ads that are typical shorter video assets that you would find on TikTok or YouTube. And do um, copy testing utilizing AI to get some feedback. It'll be the first time I've experienced AI in the research setting, so I'm very interested in what learnings come back. I it'll be within the next couple of weeks. I'll be able to begin seeing some feedback from AI on copy testing airheads assets that were short videos, TikTok, YouTube mostly. So, so I'm curious. Um, it's I think I until I see the feedback um I'm I have some reservations it's just new to me um but I'm interested I know that AI is here and it's not going away and it's something that is going to touch all parts of our lives going forward and you know I I still feel like if it was a big television campaign with big risk and and big media plans I would go in immediately to lean on traditional consumer copy testing that's what's comfortable and what i'm uh, used to Um, but i think there's a place you know obviously decades of consumer copy testing feedback has fed these ai programs and so it should be able to in theory give you some guidance on you know this is working well or not so well where you have your brand in the in the ad and so you know i'm interested in seeing that so i I haven't done it yet, but it's it's coming soon.
1: So, oh, is this AI giving feedback based upon what's been successful, or is it synthetic respondents that you've kind of developed? I think
2: it's more the learnings that um, you know vendors have gotten historically from the consumers' feedback on ads. You know what works well on having strong brand recognition, you know, where do you need the branding? How many times in a spot? Is it at the end appropriately? Is it confusing? I wonder though, how well AI will be able to pick up on things like humor, you know, that feels yes. like a very personal thing that only an, a human being would able to really be able to tell you like this made me laugh or I, or this was, you know, clear or not. And I found this funny or I found it off-putting. So I don't know. When you get into some of those emotion things, you wonder how well AI will be able to be trained.
1: Um, that's the first time I've heard of a brand doing that. It's really impressive. Um, I'd love to talk to you on the record or off the record about that in the future. sounds really cool. Um, um, last little topic here is um, you. I think you're headed to a, the Corporate Researchers Conference soon. Is that true, the insight Association CRC? I am. That's in uh, November 1st through the 3rd in Chicago. Um,
2: Last conference I was at was the CRC through the Insights Association in uh, 2019. So just before COVID. And this will be the first opportunity to be back at a live conference. Um, It'll be four years. And so I'm really looking forward to that because so much has changed in the last four years with technology, with innovation, with AI and, you know, and research is constantly evolving and changing, you know, how we conduct research, how we um, tap into consumer learnings and looking forward to seeing people from my past. And it's always a great opportunity to network and just hear how companies are using research to drive, you know, forward with innovation or actionable new marketing plans and looking forward to that, learning about all the things, you know, I'm sure there'll be many topics on, on AI.
1: Yeah, I really wish I was going. And every day it gets closer. I'm like, oh, I, I bet they're talking about really cool stuff next month. Our chapter, your chapter, Craig, is hosting a happy hour. We're partnering with National on October 31st, a little Halloween event. If you'd like to join that, is it's at Billboard, Chicago. I really wish I was going. That sounds like so much fun, the CRC this year. Um, how can how people reach you and, and Perfetti? How can they learn more? Yeah, well,
2: I'm I'm on LinkedIn and I'm um, always open to having conversations with people in the industry. Love uh, talking shop, if you will, and I'm always happy to uh, learn more. And I think our company is good about um, being open to new technologies and working with new vendors. So that's a refreshing thing that I've noticed at Perfetti is we are very open to new tools, new approaches working with new, uh, new companies. And so, um, I'm open. So I, I, I know things are changing fast in, in the technology space. And, um, I think myself and our organization is very open to understanding new approaches, new ways of doing things. And, um, certainly don't mind the, the, the call or email of like, Hey, here's a way we're doing something in the consumer research space. You know, is this of something that might interest you.
1: Absolutely, you know, one more quick thing is that I'm really impressed with the brand. Um, there's a being responsible section on your brand that talks about um, things like um, equi- being equitable and fair, environmental sustainability, um, making products possibly a little healthier or being responsible and being involved in the community. I'm really impressed with that also, especially for a um, a candy brand, that's really cool.
2: Yeah, we're involved with a lot of charities. We're involved with food banks and um, organization called Sweet Cheeks that um, donates diapers. We recently worked together as an organization to uh, to pack up uh, diapers for those in need. And so we do a lot of terrific community outreach. We're um, in all sorts of um, events throughout Cincinnati, all sorts of parades and runs. And you know, I think we're becoming pretty visible. It's not a household name, obviously, Profetti Van Mel, but certainly everyone knows Mentos and Airheads. And so we're, we're great at getting out in the community and giving back, you know, to organizations like hospitals. And so really good charitable aspect of our organization. And you mentioned um, sustainability. We have Mentos now in a paperboard bottle. It's a, it's a square and um, paperboard product, a little better for the environment than plastic. So that's something that is relatively new. And so we're always looking at ways that we can be uh, sustainable
1: and, and and be equitable. That's amazing. Um, I'm glad I found that on the website. It was, it was right there. But well, congratulations on the relatively new role and congratulations on the um, potential research with the integration of a new brand that you just found out about. That's pretty cool stuff, too. And thanks, as always, for coming on, Craig. Really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. Always great uh, to talk with you guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Look forward to uh, talking again. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thanks.